Lord. Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I think, I believe that people want to do great things. I, I think built into people is the desire to matter. I think that's built into us, the desire to have an impact, to actually do something great. I think, I believe, that is our natural inclination. I think most people are not content to just pass through life, to just float through life and to roll with the punches and, and to just get by. I think people want to have mattered. I think we want to matter. Now, I believe that. In fact, I believe we find our greatest joy in living lives that matter. I believe, I think we are joy-filled and we are joyful when we are up to something great. I think our hearts are happiest when we are endeavoring to do something that matters. I truly believe that. Now, here's the problem. The world has lied to us about what matters. The world says these are the things, here are the things that matter. And it says success or stuff or acclaim or popularity or, or fun or comfort or wealth. Here, here are all these things and people are running at breakneck speed trying to get those things, trying to accumulate those things. And, and look around today, we are tired, we are depressed, we are disillusioned, we're unhappy. Look around today, we are mad, we're mean, we're, we're at each other's throats. And I think we're going to see in our verses tonight that there is a purpose that brings joy, that, that there is a thing that will result in the greatest impact. And I think we're going to see in our verses tonight the best way to invest our lives. Tonight our message is entitled, The Joyful Harvest. The Joyful Harvest. Tonight we're moving along. We're in John chapter 4, verses 35 through 42. John chapter 4, verses 35 through 42. The Joyful Harvest. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have not entered into their labor. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I had done, have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and they stayed there two more there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said 
that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for a Saturday night that we can come and praise you and worship you. And in your kindness and in your grace, we can hear from you through your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I, I pray these that are gathered, these that are listening in some other means, that we would be encouraged tonight, that we would be trained and taught tonight, that we would be prepared and equipped tonight. And I pray the fruit of that would be eternal fruit. I pray the fruit of that would be folks that find you and trust you. I pray the fruit of that would be that your name is known and that your name is glorified. Lord, we come and I pray asking that tonight would truly be a supernatural event, that you would move in power and might and glory tonight. And Lord, we're quick to tell you we love you. We thank you and we submit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you remember last night, we left off with Jesus saying that he lives to do the Father's work. He showed us last night that what sustains him, what feeds him, is to obediently serve the Father's will. Let's back up to verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus says what sustains him, what feeds him, is to be found obediently serving the Father's will. Well, in the same way, as those that are redeemed by Christ and then commissioned to serve the cause of Christ, we also should live to do the Father's work. We also should be sustained, we should be contented by being obedient to the will of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to start tonight. We should be, we should be fed by being obedient to the will of God. Now, I want you to see this tonight. Be sure of this. You cannot be on two missions. And that's the truth of tonight. You, I, we cannot be on two missions. Now, there are a lot of things that can fit under the main mission, but you cannot be on two missions. I believe the problem of the modern church today, I believe the problem of modern Christianity today is it either doesn't tell us that we are on any mission or it leads us to believe that we can take up all missions. And I see both extremes. There's some folks that don't know that we have a mission, that Christ has given us a mission, that we have a purpose. And then I see folks that say all of the missions, anything we could take up would fall under this banner. The truth is tonight, you cannot be on two Missions. Now, look at the context. See how this falls. Remember last night, the Samaritan woman at the well, after meeting Jesus, verse 28, it says she left her water pot. She abandoned her pot. What she cared for was no longer the priority. What she needed, her needs had changed. And so verse 28 says, and so the woman left her water pot. Well, here's a question tonight. Are we willing to leave our water pots? 
Are we willing to leave our water pots? When I, when I say that, I already, I already know it starts to well up inside of us, all the excuses. We have a mission. We have a purpose. Are you willing to leave your water pots? pots and we, we start to say, well, we have to live. Yes, but that's not our priority. We start to say, well, we, we have to work. Listen, yes, the Bible tells us to work, but that's not the priority of life. We say, well, we have all these important things. Look at all the important things. We, we like to parade them around. Look at all the important things. Yes, but they're not the most important. The question is, are we willing to leave our water pots? Are we willing to leave our old sins? Or do we still like some of them? Are we willing to leave our old plans? I had a plan and it was mapped out. It didn't include God, but, it, but they were pretty good plans. Are we really willing to leave our priorities? This is what matters, and I determine that, and this is what matters, and I determine that. The reality is this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot be on two missions. In our verses, with all of these things unfolding, with all of this playing out in chapter 4, Jesus then takes a moment to teach his disciples. And that's what's happening in our verses. Uh, he has gone to Samaria. He's met the woman at the well. He's told her of living water. She's gone into town. In the midst of all these things that are unfolding, he takes a moment in our verses to teach his disciples. Well, let me tell you, if we will listen tonight, he will teach us as well. All right, let's go to our verses. Verse 35. Do you not say, Jesus is speaking, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Here's, here's the deal. Here's what Jesus is saying here in verse 35. We naturally work with an eye on the harvest. In the harvest is where we're going to find the payoff for our work. In the harvest that's where we're going to reap the reward for all of the work that we invested. And, I, and, and a coming harvest, an expected harvest, is what makes the work bearable. And that's a natural fact. When you're going through the things, when you're doing the work, the fact that there is an expected harvest is what makes the work bearable. The coming harvest is an exciting thing. Do you know that? The, com the, the, the coming harvest? It's an exciting thing. It's a joyful thing. I can remember walking through cotton fields. They're loaded up with bowls about this time of the year, and they're starting to dry out, and they're starting to crack open, and you start to, to count the bowls, and you know it's been a good year. And you know what's coming is a good harvest, and you get excited about the harvest that's coming. I can remember as a small kid long time ago, that my granddad used to take his hat to a wheat field. And he would take his hat and he would throw it out on the wheat field. And if it stayed up, if it stayed up on the wheat, if it didn't fall down into the wheat, he would say this, this will make 15 bushels. That'd be a failure now. That's a true story. I remember saying this, this will make, I bet it'll make 16 bushels. The days of preparing, the days of sowing, the days of plowing are all done with an eye 
for the harvest. Well, Jesus says here, you always say it's four more months than the harvest. That's why we press on. We have an eye for the harvest. Well, Jesus says on this day, if you will look, if you'll pick up your eyes, the harvest is here. The harvest is now. Jesus says the fields are overflowing. An abundant harvest is here now. They think, well, maybe it's still delayed. No, pick up your eyes. It is here now. Do not miss this. See this. They are still at the well. Jesus and his disciples, they're still at the well. The woman has gone into town. She has told the men of the city, and they are coming out to Jesus. Remember verse 30, it means in the original language, quickly they are coming. They have have decided, and quickly they are coming out. Well, tradition tells us the custom of the day would have been that these men would have been dressed in white robes. That was the culture. That was how they dressed then. And so Jesus says, look up right now. The harvest is here. Now, it just so happens that coming out of the town, coming out to Christ, are all these Samaritan men's men dressed in their white robes. And he says, look, the, the fields are white for harvest. What a picture. Here's a question. Can we see tonight the fields around us? Can we see the fields around us tonight? You see, the world in time makes us dull to the lostness around us. And I'll tell you tonight, the reality is this, people all around us, or without Jesus Christ, we're seeing that lived out in our culture. People all around us, we say, how can they do these things? Why do they respond these ways? Why does it seem so dark? People all around us are without Christ. They're without hope. They're trying to pretend. They're trying to muster it up somewhere. They have no hope. They are lost in their sin, and they're suffering. They're hurting. Somehow we've become numb. We've become careless to the lost folks all around us. Jesus says, if you lift up your eyes, there's a harvest around you. Can we see the fields around us? Verse 36. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Verse 36, the verse says, already the reaper, the one working in the harvest, Jesus says, is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. Meaning as that person, as that reaper reaps, And as people are getting saved, as they're trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, eternities are redeemed. Eternities are changed. Folks, listen to me tonight. It is no small thing for somebody to trust in Jesus Christ. It is an eternal thing. There is an eternal change, and it goes for eternity. It has an eternal impact. See that tonight. In any other work, in any other effort, there is a point of diminishing return. And that's that's how it works. 
any other work, any ever, other effort, anything you would set out to do, there will be a point of diminishing return. Eventually, the gain will start to stall out. Eventually, the market, oh, it will never fall, will fall. Eventually, the stock price, it will, it will turn. I didn't think it would ever turn. Eventually, your business will fail. Well, it was good. Remember in the 80s when it was good? Remember when my granddad gave it to me? Remember when we built this business? Eventually, there will be a diminishing return. But Jesus says here, this is the work that is eternal. If you want to have an impact, this is the work with an eternal impact. We ought to be blown away by that. I can invest somewhere else, it'll fail, it'll fall away. But this has an eternal impact. There's something important here, and it says, receiving their wages. It's important. What does that mean? Now, there's eternal fruit, but it says this guy, the, the reaper, is receiving their wages. Well, at the end of the verse, it says that he who reaps and he who sows may rejoice together. Now, I could pull in some other verses. I'm just going to go with this. See this. The wages, the pay for those that work in the master's field is joy. It is joy. It means you are paid in joy. When you work to lead people to Jesus Christ, it means your reward, you're paid in joy. Folks, I want to tell you what the truth is. Listen to me tonight. You are missing the greatest of blessings if you're not in the master's field. Well, you know what? You got this to do. Well, you're trying to get these things done. You are missing the greatest of blessings if you're not in the master's field, if you're not thinking about reaching the lost, if you're not praying about reaching the lost, if you're not plotting about how to reach the lost, if you're not active in reaching the lost, you're missing the joy that is promised of reaching the lost. We go through life, we act like, well, that's somebody else's deal. We act like, well, that's not what I'm supposed to do. That's not what I'm built to do. There's somebody better equipped to do that. There's a preacher at a church somewhere. There's some spiritual person. They'll do that. And so we act like that's not our thing. And then listen to me. We go through life and we wonder how life is so boring. Oh, life is so boring. I'll take on this hobby. I'll put money in this thing. I'll try to have some fun over here. And it doesn't satisfy we, we have to binge watch a whole bunch of garbage just to pass the time. I just watched 35 hours of complete nonsense to fill my time. We wonder where's the joy of the Christian life? Shouldn't life be better than this? Shouldn't it? Friend, there is joy in the master's field. And let me just make you a promise. You will find joy in the master's field. You'll find joy in the master's field. Man, I don't know what this thing in Afghanistan, I don't understand our economy. I don't know about this pandemic. They may lock everything down. I don't know who's running this whole deal anyway. We start to lose our joy. Listen, there is joy in the master's field. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. 
so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Verse 37 now, for in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Now, Jesus is telling them that this is a strange time where the sower can see the harvest. Now, that's not natural. That's not normal. As you're planting a crop, you can't see the harvest right then. But this is a strange time. And, and the one who reaps is in the field with the one that sows. That's a weird thing. And so in this field, there are some and they are planting, and there are some and they are reaping. And there are some that are reaping, and there are some in the field that are planting. And people are being saved, and the gospel is going out, and the gospel is going out, and people are being saved. And it says both of those people are rejoicing. Jesus tells them the Messiah has come, the gospel is at hand, and these are the days of the harvest. He tells the disciples, see what is happening even in this context. See what is possible. Be aware of the fields that are around you. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. The Samaritans are coming. Here these men are coming out of the city. And the disciples are getting ready to reap where they didn't sow. And then back in town, there's the woman who sowed the seed of the gospel. And they're going to become part of her harvest. She's, she's sowed and they're about to be part of her labor. Now I want you to notice this. And I, I think it's a big deal. And I think it's an important thing. I think it's a missing thing. Notice this right here. In John's gospel, he is wanting to set the record straight. There, there's deviant teachings about Jesus. There's distorted teachings about the gospel. And he's wanting to set the record straight. Well, John says in his gospel, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Chapter one, this is Jesus. Chapter two, this is Jesus. This is who he is. He's saying this is the gospel. This is the good news. Chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. This is the gospel. You can be sure of it. This is the truth. You can be confident in it. He says all the way through it, believe and be saved. Believe and be saved. That's the call of the gospel. Receive the truth and be saved. But here's what I want you to notice tonight. But he also closely ties that to once that you are saved, once that you do receive it, that you would share it, that you would proclaim it, that you would spread it. Somewhere we've got a disconnect. Somewhere we got folks who say, well, I'm glad to be saved. I'm thankful for the grace of God, but I'm willing to sit on it and not tell the other folks. Listen, that's a disconnect. It is our mission. It is our food. It is our joy. It is the mission and the purpose of the Christian life. You see, the point of Christianity, the point of Christian life is not you. Christian life's not about you. Our world says it's about you living in favor. Go look at the books on that. You living in favor. It's about you living your best life now. It's about you. 
And every day is Friday. It's about you conquering the giants in the land. Listen, God wants you to conquer the giants in the land. It's about you and the walls that will fall down. And anything is possible to you, the walls will fall down. And it's all about you. Listen to me tonight. The truth is this. The joy of the Christian life is being saved, being forgiven of your sins, being confident of that truth, being sure of it, and then leading as many people to Jesus as possible. I wonder what our attitude would be if that's how we actually lived. Man, I don't know, it may be rude, but the counselors might go all out of business. If somebody said, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, let me tell you about a risen Savior, his name's Jesus. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Let me tell you about a hope, an anchor that holds, his name is Jesus. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Let me tell you about eternal life and my Savior secured in Jesus. I wonder what our attitudes would be if that's how we actually live. It didn't rain all summer. It's okay. I know the Lord of the harvest. His name is Jesus. Oh, how our attitudes might change. Sounds like a revival. Well, John then tells us what happened. Verse 39 says this. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I've done. Verse says, verse 39, he's reporting what happens now. Says that, Many believed in him. Now, I was interested in that word many. So I looked it up in the original language, the Greek, and it means this, not a small number. Well, many, that might be a few. No, it's, it's bigger than that. It means a large number, a large number, a bunch of people believed in him. Now, believing in him means that they're saved. They're saved by believing. And so it says, because of the word of the woman who testified. Now, listen, what that means is it was her words. It was her testimony that led them to faith. Now, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so by her testimony, by her words, by her telling the good news of Jesus, many have been saved. Now I want you to be sure of this. This woman, covered in her sin, stained in her sin, deemed unfit in her life, this woman whose life had been a train wreck of bad choices, this woman who had learned to adapt and to walk in her shame, she just got used to it. She found a way to survive in it. She has met Jesus 
And in her faith, she has become a vessel of living water. Is that not what Jesus said? She's become a vessel of living water. She has become a vessel of living water. And out of her overflowing, beautiful vessel, here's what the Bible says, there are many, 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 countless many people that have been saved. There are many, 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 countless many people who have found and know Jesus because of her. And her past did not matter. Her reputation did not matter. Her starting place did not matter. What mattered was that she testified to the good news of Jesus. Do you see that tonight where Satan had robbed her of her joy? where her sin had robbed her of her purpose, where her life had become mundane and meaningless, she is now perhaps in one of the, the list of greatest witnesses that have ever lived. All oh, the people that have been saved because of this woman. What an impact she had. And another, and another, and another. She's one of the heroes of our faith. Talk about a turn. Talk about an impact. Talk about a Savior. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. What was a short stop, they just stopped for lunch basically, turns into a couple-day crusade is basically what happens. That's how it is in Jesus' service. They didn't know what's happening. They're going to stop end up staying there two days. Verse 41. Many more believed because of his words. Here's what's happening. Many more believed because of his word. Jesus stays. Jesus proclaims. Jesus preaches. And many more, it's the same word, a large number, not a small number, believed because of his word. Now I want you to see this. They heard him. They believed him. But the reason that he was there and the reason that they sought him out was still because of her. Her impact is still growing. Her impact is still widening. Verse 42. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Now I want you to understand this. The report of verse 42 is not bad. It might sound like it. It's not mean to her. It is actually a good report. This is actually what you want to happen. It wasn't because of her testimony but now they had heard and they had believed. Do you know that's how this works? We know. If you know, you know. Because somebody told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone. This summer, we might have said, you know what, I'd have loved to have heard from Jonah. I'd have loved to hear his testimony, what he said. Listen, if I could have heard that, we did in our camp this summer. 
Tonight you might say, I want to hear Jesus at Jacob's well. Oh, how different my life would be if I could hear from Jacob, at, from Jesus at the well. Maybe he would appear to me. Listen, we did in this word. And his compassion is still revealed. His grace is still known in someone who told someone, who told someone, who told someone, who told someone. Listen tonight. Don't you want to be in that line? Of all the lines you can be in, don't you want to be in that line? Don't you want to have that impact? Isn't that the company you want to keep tonight? Paul and Peter and the woman at the well and Barnabas and Timothy, let's join that crowd. The last part of verse 42 ends. Now, I can't miss this. I'm going to get the sweat out of my eyes before I do it. The last part of verse 42 ends, and the people say, we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. That's a huge statement. I want you to see this. These Samaritans, these people that came out, these ones that heard her testimony and his testimony, and they've trusted in Christ, they say this, we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Do you know, do you remember how we started chapter 4? Did Jesus really come for all people? He said he did in John chapter 3. Did he really come for all people? Does he really love all people? Surely he doesn't. Is his grace for all people? Has he left some folks out? Is his grace for all people? Does he mean it? Remember, that's how he started. Does all really mean all? That's what he says. But does he mean it? Does he mean it? Does he so love all people? Listen, we see the answer tonight when we find a people that are hated. We find a people that are cast off. We find people that are Samaritan and not Jews, we find people that are written off by all the folks in the culture and they are the ones declaring this one is Savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Life so loved. Let's pray. During Father, we come and we rejoice. We rejoice as we see your truth unfold. We rejoice as we see your grace offered to all people, not some select group that you're prejudiced toward. We rejoice as we see your love that you go all the way out of the way to find these folks. Tell them there's a hope and a risen Savior. We're thankful, Lord, that you call us to serve that purpose, that mission. That you tell us how to have joy in our life and you tell us what to do when we can't find joy. Lord, I pray that we would take that seriously. I pray that we'd be equipped. And I don't, I don't care, Lord, what our age is here tonight. If we're older, if we're younger, I pray as long as we have breath in our lungs that we would tell folks there is a Savior, a remedy for sin in Jesus. And that more than anything, they would find joy in you. That we would find joy in the process as a bonus. Lord, help us tonight. Lord, encourage us tonight. Lord, shape us and equip us as we leave here tonight. 
And I pray in all that be glorified tonight. Lord, we come and we give you this time. I, I pray if there's one here listening somewhere that doesn't know you, I pray that tonight they would first say that they, they, they have trusted you and, and turned to you and see you as the remedy for sin. And that, and that would be the starting place of joy for them. True joy, lasting joy. Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart in that manner. Lord, we, we come tonight and we just tell you we're so thankful. We ask that you would move. We submit this to you. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation, and it truly is the most exciting, it truly is the best and most important time of our service. And I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Whoever you are tonight, whatever your sin, whatever state you're in tonight, there is a Savior for you. There is a gracious, kind, powerful Savior, able to save, willing to save in the person of Jesus tonight. If you will turn to him, if you will trust him, you will be forgiven of your sins. You'll be renewed, reconciled to a holy God. You will have eternal life. All of that, you will be saved tonight. If you've never trusted Jesus, do it tonight. If you've never trusted him tonight, do it tonight. If, if, if you have trusted Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism, it's an important thing. It's in obedience to what he says, not part of our salvation, but a testimony to it. And so I would give you an opportunity as well to, to, to say, you know what, I have trusted Christ, but I need to follow in believer's baptism now as a testimony and an obedience to Christ. You come as well. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of testimony, of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. And you come as well. And together we'll serve him and his, his kingdom, his, his gospel, carrying the good news until he comes again and gets us. Maybe you want to come tonight and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me tonight. I don't know whatever issue is going on. The Bible says nothing's too large, nothing's too small. And so maybe you want to come in humility and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for an exit. I ask that you would pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God is speaking to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>